0: What I thought was encouraging is that I actually kind of split the difference in that Caden won some reps, P.J. won some reps. It was a good, solid battle between two elite football players. Every single snap, it ultimately came down uh, in every situation to who got the better leverage, and I was really, really impressed with both of them and the way that they held their own, and I was all the more impressed with the reality that, There was nobody else on the field that could hang with those two. If Caden was matched up against anybody else, he was going to maul him. If P.J. was matched up against anybody else, he was going to get around him. So those two, in terms of their athletic prowess, ran circles around everybody on the football field uh, that they would have reasonably been matched up against that wasn't each other. So all in all, good day and a lot of good returns, I think, on two of the Sooners' most recent
1: Sounds like best possible outcome. You know, I no one got the better exactly. of the other, and no one's going to be frigging out, and uh, the takeaway on OUinsider.com is, we'll see, they're both elite players if they both got the better of one another, uh, you know, half the time.
0: Exactly. Well, and that's that's what you hope happens, right? Because you, you figured that's going to be a preview of – practice at the University of Oklahoma for the next three four years so if those guys are going at each other evenly matched pushing one another and showing something new on every single rep uh, then you're gonna get two guys that are uh, mutually beneficial for one another by the way they're also rooming together at Oklahoma picked that up so I and that's not that's not exactly earth-shattering news you know they're both from Kansas City good friends so but they're, yeah they're gonna be roommates and uh, I, I will say this, I it, it's no secret how good at playing his position Caden Green is. Uh, he's got outstanding feet, he's strong as an ox. He's just a very, very difficult matchup for anybody, and you saw that at the Future 50 last week. But I will say this about P.J. Adebare. For only having played one year at defensive end, in terms of pass rush moves that dude's got a back, yeah, and he was pulling it all out today. So yeah. I, I was very, very impressed with his dexterity, the way that he uses his hands, and the way that he can gain leverage against the opponent. So I think that's a kid, man, that not, not only will he play at Oklahoma and play a lot and play very well, but I think he's on track to play early.
1: Yeah, he might. Uh, Edric Hill, uh, you also would have seen him, a uh, four-star defensive lineman out of North Kansas City with P.J. Adebarre. One crystal ball in for Bama. He's got an Alabama offer, an LSU offer, an OU offer, an Oregon offer, a USC offer. You get it. This kid's pretty good. Anything to report on the front of Edrick Hill? Maybe starting to slowly turn towards OU, or is it still Alabama?
0: Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. I I overheard Caden and PJ and Isaiah Mosey, the OU legacy 2025 wide receiver, at least the north. They were all kind of ribbing Edrick. And kind of goading him like, man, come on, oh, use the move. This what this is what's up, and he's taking an unofficial visit back to Oklahoma at the end of the month. I don't think that's a secret. Uh, I still kind of think Alabama has the upper hand, but that is very, very subject to change, especially because of all those influences around him, including. Caden Green, whom he goes back a long way with, and P.J., whom he shares the defensive line with in North Kansas City. I was really impressed with Edrick Hill today as well, and he didn't get matched up against Caden because Caden was playing offensive tackle and Edrick's an interior guy, but, man, Edrick was manhandling everybody in his path. He has taken such strides since last fall. He's way more muscular, up to about 290, 295 and I think if he were an inch or two taller, he'd probably be a top 150 guy. The knock on him has always been his height. He's not much taller than six foot two, But, man, he is an absolute menace on the interior. Watching that kid today, it's very clear to me that seeing PJ's rise has been good for Edrick. Because for the longest time, Edrick was the guy at north kansas city he was the most highly regarded he was the blue chip recruit he was on another level in most everybody's eyes then all of a sudden pj experiences this meteoric rise all of a sudden he's a top 100 national player a five star according to one recruiting service and i think edrick has kind of taken that as a challenge uh, in a lot of ways look i'm no longer the biggest fish in the pond i need to start putting all the more work in to make sure that uh, I don't get lost in the shuffle here and that the storylines aren't all P.J., P.J., P.J. once my senior season rolls around. So I'm really encouraged with the progress that Edric Hill has made, and I really do think that this is a dude that has some legitimate interest in Oklahoma, and should the influences in his circle successfully sway him to the Sooners, uh, this is a dude that's going to play high-level ball at some point down the line, whether for Oklahoma or elsewhere.
1: All right, get those questions, recruiting questions in, those comments as well, 405-651-3439 on the air, coverage Solutions text line. More football on the other side. It is locked in, live on the ref. for the homeless Sooner fans. Elite Roofing Systems, bringing you this hour of Locked In with McComas and Thune. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune. Elite Roofing Systems, they're servicing all of Oklahoma's roofing needs. Give them a call today. 405-361-3094. Tulsa, they're here to serve you as well. 918-984-5475 or EliteRoofOK.com. All right, we do have an update on the recruitment of Mr. Akana out there in Utah. He's lined up two more visits. at Feels like he is a pretty heavy OU lean at this point, but what he, four-star edge player Parker OU and Oregon? He's lining up two more trips. Should you should we be concerned about Oregon, or is it still looking like uh, OU's still in really good shape here?
0: I would not be concerned about Oregon simply because uh, when I when I last spoke to Tassili Kana face to face out at overtime in Las Vegas last month, he told me and if. This isn't word for word. This is a very, very close paraphrase. He said, I want to play in the SEC. The SEC is where the best of the best are. So that seemed pretty definitive to me, and all the schools that he was talking up at that point were SEC programs. So unless Oregon has a bombshell move to the SEC in the works, I still favor Oklahoma here. been talking to several people with knowledge of that recruitment uh, over the last 48, 72 hours as well, and it still does sound like OU is best positioned to land him.
1: It it kind of leads you to an interesting discussion because I've been vocal about it. I've said it very many times. I didn't want Dan Lanning to be the next head coach at OU. I wanted Brent Venables to be the next head coach at OU. But at the same time, when Oregon hired Dan Lanning, I said, ooh, That's got a chance to be a really good hire. And so far, I've I've liked everything that they've done. The staff that they've hired, how aggressive they're going to be. They're going to run a program like it's run in the SEC out in the Pac-12. I feel like Dan Lanning was very, very excited about the potential of Oregon in the Pac-12, and maybe he still is. I just wonder if his timeline in Eugene has significantly shrunk Parker with the current landscape of the Pac-12. Because it does not look like that Oregon is going to get an SEC invite or a Big Ten invite. It almost seems that either Oregon's going to be in the Big 12 or Oregon's going to try to, you know, be the lean reader in this odd Pac-12, Pac-10, whatever they're going to call it. I think that that changes the dynamics a little bit for Oregon. I I just wonder if Dan Lanning is going to be more on the move or kind of looking for another gig given Oregon's current situation.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I don't think Dan Lanning is going to be on the move because I feel like once you roll into a job like Oregon, like you understand what's going on, right? And you understand that whatever situation you land in, uh, as far as conference realignment, it's probably not going to be any worse than what you were already dealing with in the Pac-12, right? Because there's a reason why USC and UCLA bounced. It's because there's not a whole lot of revenue out there and well that 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 may be the only reason i <laughs> i'm not going to i'm not going to try to talk up the competition in the big 10 versus the pac 12 because i honestly i don't think usc and ucla are necessarily concerned with competing at an elite level if they're making that move but i will say this when you look at the situation for oregon there is so much money up there in eugene nike money Right, right down the street from Nike headquarters, that they can exist in their own little bubble for a while. They could go independent if they needed to. They're much like Notre Dame in that capacity, where they have a certain measure of security that isn't dependent on financial support from a conference. So I think wherever Oregon lands, they're going to be just fine, and they're kind of in the catbird seat where they can sit back and field offers, And just see where this thing goes, because until the Pac-12 slash Pac-10 officially dissolves, they have a conference home. And if and when the Pac-10 does officially dissolve, they're going to have a market for their athletic program.
1: Well, it seems like if I see a report, uh, or or really, I I see a report every single day. Well, the Arizona schools are meeting. Uh, Colorado and Utah looks imminent, like going to the Big Twelve. It's almost like the Deshaun Watson situation at this point, where everyone's reporting, "All right, he's going to get anywhere from two to ten games next year." It's everyone is throwing out these erroneous reports, thinking that they're going to stick. I've gotten to the point now, Parker, where I don't believe anything that I hear. Regarding the Pac-12 schools and the Big 12 poaching for those schools, honestly, I'm getting kind of tired of the conference realignment talk between Big 12 poaching for Pac-12 schools. I'm at this point now well, you don't where see- I don't I don't believe it. It's it's the same crap, and it's not happening.
0: Yeah, well, and what basically here's the way I look at it, Tyler. Is there news that's going to legitimately shock us to the point where not only are we surprised by it, but We feel impacted by it, and it feels like an actual bombshell dropped because that happened with OU in Texas when they moved to the SEC. That happened when USC and UCLA announced that they were going to the Pac-10. At this point, unless it's like a Clemson, a Miami, an Oregon, a Notre Dame, is there any other program out there – where they, they announced that they're moving conferences and we're going to be like, whoa, hold up, this changes things. Because even when UC, UCF and BYU and Houston and Cincinnati announced that they were joining the Big 12, we were like, okay, that's nice. But it it was in and out of the news cycle.
1: Yeah, and as soon as I say that, someone texted in, speaking of Oregon, did y'all see the rumors of Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado trying to join the Big 12? Uh, I look. I saw the report. I'm not buying the report from sideline sports network. What whatever that is. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it on the uh, Big Twelve expansion with the uh, Pac-12 schools. Let's see. Uh, text line. Happy for Kyler on the new deal. Should OU be expecting a nice 10 million endowment? OU resurrected Kyler's career for sure after the fiasco at Texas A&M. That's from Bruce. I don't know if uh, OU should expect a $10 million from Kyler Murray. I'm going to go ahead and guess that no, they shouldn't expect $10 million. Maybe he'll throw out something. That'd be pretty cool. But what I did see, Parker, is that um, the uh, Kyler Murray is going to make $46.1 million per year, right? Five-year, $230 million deal. He's the uh, second-highest-paid uh, qu- quarterback in the league right now. $46.1 million a year next year. And the Oakland A's, who drafted him in the first round, their entire payroll this season is just forty-eight point five million. Kyler Murray is making two million less than the entire Oakland A's roster next year. God, I knew the A's were cheap, but jeez,
0: yeah. And I mean that—that <laughs> that tells you like. That speaks pretty clearly as to what the right decision was in that whole ordeal for Kyler Murray. and (laughs) It increasingly makes me begin to think maybe it was the fact that he got drafted by the Athletics, who are notoriously operating on a shoestring budget year in and year out. Maybe he just realized, okay, you know what? The payday is never going to come with the Oakland A's. Maybe there will be a market for my services once I uh, – once I get to the major leagues and once I attain free agency, but I can go get drafted in the first round in the NFL and be a franchise quarterback somewhere and make ridiculous money. Of course, at that time, the market for quarterbacks was not nearly what it is now. The market has exploded over the last three years, ever since Kyler Murray entered the NFL draft. But uh, whoever was in his corner... Making the calls on that, whether it was Kyler or his dad or his agent, whatever the case may be, uh, they pulled all the right strings.
1: Is Mike Gundy 50 yet? Did it seem like he was crying about OU and Texas leaving the Big 12? Was wondering how long it's been since he claimed to be a man. That was, I believe, the 2007 season when he did that. Uh, Mike Gundy is 54 years old uh, currently. And um, gotta say, Parker, at 54 years old, he is, um, in terms of coaches in the league who've got the most job security, Mike Gundy may be sitting at the top of the conference right now with the most job security after uh, the season that he put in last year.
0: Well, and look at the way his contract is structured. It's a rollover contract, right? So, Mike, basically, Mike Gundy will never be fired at Oklahoma State. He will never be fired from that job. If he wants to go take another job elsewhere, fine. Oklahoma State will, I mean, he'll, he's he'll probably lever. have to give. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, is he played there. He's coached there forever. I know there's been some smoke in the past about the Florida job, the Arkansas job, the Tennessee job, other jobs here and there, but... I find it hard to believe at this point that Mike Gundy is going to end up taking another job elsewhere. He kind of just seems like he's content to stay put in still water as long as he is okay with coaching.
1: Yeah, and I think even the Arkansas and the Tennessee flirtation, golly, that was like a decade ago now. I think that that was more about a pay raise from Oklahoma State than, you know being real close to taking a couple of those jobs. Maybe some people will tell you that he was very close to taking the Arkansas-Tennessee job. I'm I'm sure that story is out there somewhere. My honest thought, Parker, he never truly intended to leave Stillwater. He was just looking for a pay raise, and guess what? Mission accomplished. He got that like two or three times when he's flirting with other SEC schools.
0: Yeah, and you know what? That probably is solely what it was. Just get me more money, but at this point, he's got plenty of money. He's got plenty of security. The contract is structured in such a way that it's it's essentially a lifetime contract. Mike Gundy's never leaving Stillwater. Uh,
1: one more before we hit a break. If it becomes the Pac-10, that helps Oregon making the playoffs, and USC moving to the Big Ten lowers their chances of making it to the playoff. Well, it depends on if we stay at four and if we roll to 12. Um, regardless of four to 12, I definitely think it's it hurts USC's chances in the Big Ten of making the college football playoff. Oregon staying in the Pac-10, that all depends on if we're expanding to 12 teams because the Pac-12 is already looked at right now as the weakest Power Five conference and no USC and UCLA, they haven't been tearing it up in the past decade. But it's all about perception with the human element that we have. It's going to be, in my opinion, Parker, it would be really, really, really tough for Oregon to make a playoff or get a playoff berth with just a four-team playoff. 12-team, sure, they could get in by winning the Pac-10. They won't be one of the top three or four seeds, but they could get into a a 12-team playoff. Oregon's got to hope this thing expands to 12. That's their chance. Yeah
0: especially if they hang in what is now the Pac-10 because there's just that path is going to be so difficult even if you're a one-loss conference champ and you basically have to run the table to guarantee that you get a spot because even as a one-loss conference champ I still think you're going to get shuttled off the podium and out of the top four in favor of uh, a one-loss SEC non-champion or a one-loss Big 12 champion or even a one-loss ACC champion like it it that path is going to be so difficult for Oregon unless they really really uh, e- unless they either run the table or they really really rack up some style points along the way
1: 405 651 is the air comfort solutions text line keep it locked on the ref more to come on the homeless sooner fans Locked in with McComas and Thune. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, live on the ref. We are the Homer Sooner fans. Air Coverage Solutions text line, fill it up, 405-651-3439. Jimbo was just delivering some gold today at SEC Media Day. Did, uh, I, I don't know if you heard his rebuttal, because we all remember the video of that assistant coach with the recruits in Kyle Field pointing up and saying, you see those sweets." Y'all getting a lot of money from people behind them suites if you decide to come play here. I mean, that, that went viral real quick. Uh, Jimbo was asked about that today, and Jimbo said, "Quotes, No, that's not what he said. He was a young guy that had been there about a month. What he meant was the guys behind those seats are what pay for your program. Those are donators and boosters is how he meant it and how he spoke, end quotes. Nice try, Jimbo. Okay. Nice try.
0: Okay, Jimbo. Sure. Sure.
1: (laughs) No, that's not what he said. Jimbo, we all saw the video. We all heard what he said. It's exactly what he said. What are you talking about?
0: It's it's on video, Jimbo. You can try and paint this one, sugarcoat this one, however you want. Uh, At the end of the day, you're just digging yourself a deeper hole.
1: Eye in the sky, don't lie, Jimbo. Sorry. You got caught, man. It's all good. Just own up to it. That's what we told you a couple of months ago when you got in your spat with Nick Saban. Just own up to it. Say, yeah, man, you come here, we'll pay you $200K. Uh, Instead, he's trying to deny it, and uh, yeah, none of us are believing it. Hey, on the show yesterday, wow, what an interesting turn the recruitment of Peyton Kirkland took. Four-star offensive lineman. OU's listed in his final five. But Parker saying, yeah, does he really have a committable offer? I don't know. OU, Bama, Miami, Florida, Michigan State. Then a prediction drop for Texas. He called that fake news. So what's the latest on Peyton Kirkland and and where he might pick here in the coming days?
0: No one actually knows, Tyler. No one knows with certainty, and I think it's that way by design. But look, I'll tell you this much. I know it's not going to be Florida. I know it's not going to be Miami. I know it's not going to be Oklahoma. And I know it's not going to be Alabama. I have the inkling in speaking with folks up in East Lansing that it's not going to be Michigan State. So where does that leave us? UCF. Everything kind of – man, everything kind of points to Texas right now. And that report seemed bizarre at first, but in talking with people in so many different camps – Uh, that cover different schools that know Peyton Kirkland's recruitment and that know folks around him. It seems like he's going to be a Texas Longhorn, as weird and wacky as that would be.
1: Isn't that going to be weird uh, if he commits to Texas and he called it fake news just a few days prior? But it seems like, Uh obviously, uh this whole recruitment has been crazy, so that will be kind of par for the course at this point
0: exactly it will be and he can try to cast off suspicion as much as he wants but i i've had several people whom i trust tell me that that texas stuff is real that is real
1: and they what they just got a commitment from Malik Muhammad right is he the number 2 corner in this class
0: yeah the number 2 corner in the 2023 class that was a big get for ut i man as much as it as much as the words taste bitter coming out of my mouth texas is Potentially going to have the number one overall recruiting class this year if a few things fall their way.
1: That's fine, man. Um, I, I just it, it, that does not worry me whatsoever. Um, I'm way more concerned if Alabama or Georgia have the number one overall recruiting class again because Texas is just not I mean, the decade of sucks still lives on, man. And Texas, I'm not going to believe it until I actually see it. So. They can roll up the number one overall class. They can roll up a top three class. I don't care. I've seen this year after year after year. In fact, Parker, I hope Texas has the number one overall class. I hope it's not Bama. I hope it's not Georgia. I hope they're not rolling in five star after five star that's actually going to get developed. Let Texas get the number one overall class. Let them not get developed down there. Let them go five and seven again. Um, And it's not really going to matter in the grand scheme of things. So I'm, I'm actually fine if they have the number one overall class. No one will be scared by it, or at least they shouldn't no,
0: and I, I think you're on the same page as most everyone else, Tyler. The reality is, uh, as well as Texas recruits, and they recruit well. I'll give them credit where credit is due on that. As well as Texas has recruited over the years, it's never really been reflected in their on-field performance. So does a number one recruiting class scare you with the University of Texas? No, not if you've been paying attention.
1: Yeah, I'm um, sorry. If it happens, I am not scared. In the University of Texas, are not two things that are going to fall in the same sentence for me. That has not happened in a long, long time. Actually, I don't think in my lifetime that has ever happened. And after a five and seven season, after a period since 2009 where they've had four five and seven seasons and five losing seasons. Yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna be scared of those guys anytime soon. And I'm gonna guess the text line isn't either. 405-651-3439. Hit us up there. Uh, from the nine one eight, Jimbo is more of a bumbling idiot than Smack Brown. I kinda have a soft spot for Mac Brown a little bit.
0: Mac Brown's become more likable over the years. Way
1: more likable. Way more likable. And again, talking about scared in the University of Texas. Even when they were good in the early 2000s, winning 10 games seemingly every year, there was nothing about Mac Brown that was scary. <laughs> I mean, Chris Sims even said after he left Texas that he thought Mac Brown was scared of Bob Stoops. So, yeah, no one was ever scared of Mac Brown, and he's the second most successful head coach they've ever had in program history. And that's it's really not even close on that. Uh, one more. These players need to realize big NIL deals – is not going to make you a better player or prep you for the NFL any more than any other player? The money will come, but players have to pay their dues by playing hard. Yeah.
0: Yes. Uh, Accurate. G- yes. Tr- true. Factual. Valid.
1: Hey, and, and if these are the takes that are uh, going to come across the text line, I like these takes a lot more than people freaking out like, "Oh, you's not as a- – OU's not involved enough when it comes to NIL and football. Just calm down. We don't even have any proof yet that heavy NIL is the way to go. So I think that we've fallen off that a little bit.
0: That there, Tyler, that cannot be said enough. We do not have any proof that spending big NIL dollars is going to produce wins on the gridiron. There is no empirical data to support that notion. So let's all hold off on passing judgment for a couple years here.
1: Yeah, exactly. 405 651 One final segment of Locked In coming up next. I'm inside the Brown O'Haver Studios. Parker is in Kansas City because he was watching four-star edge P.J. Adabare's team scrimmage against four-star OU commit and offensive tackle Caden Green. Both are OU commits, but they were scrimmaging against each other. Are you coming back tonight after the show, or are you going to be in KC again tomorrow?
0: Uh, that is the plan for me to come back tonight after the show. So, uh yes, Lord willing, I will be back in the great state of Oklahoma tomorrow. So to the wrap up the,
1: the uh your your car which is a 2002 model, it it's it's all good? It got fixed after the last road trip or you, you It ended? got fixed after right. the last
0: road trip. Uh refilled the freon, air conditioner's working. Uh we'll we'll see about it.
1: Well, I'm praying that you get back, but it feels like since I've known you there's been about three recruiting trips where you've had to uh, make a stop on the way back, or something's gone wrong. But hey, not this time, all right? Not this time. You got this six-hour drive back. It feels like DC. you're speaking
0: it into existence. I'm not here, speaking
1: Tyler. it. I don't want that to happen to you. I want you back in here in studio tomorrow. I hope everything goes well. No, I just it feels like it's been a tough run here recently. That's all. Is that accurate? Th- that it
0: has. To be fair, it has.
1: But, hey, confidence that you're going to make it back this time with uh, no issues whatsoever. So I know that this is a basic question for a guy that we talk about a lot. I mean, technically, he is your highest-ranked recruit in this year's class. We all know that Jackson Arnold is a five-star quarterback, all right? We all know that he's a really good quarterback, especially after winning the Elite 11. But tell me exactly what OU gets in the player of, of Jackson Arnold, Parker. How mobile is he? How big is he? What's his strengths? What's the weaknesses that he has right now? I'll read you what a certain website, what they think about him, their evaluation, but I'm curious as to what you think of this five-star quarterback and what talent he possesses and any player comp uh, that you might seem fit for him right now.
0: Okay, read me the eval first. I want to hear the uh, uh, I hear the propaganda. The
1: eval is from On3, and Elite uh-huh, 11 MVP, fine. top performer everywhere he's been this summer. He is a fantastic decision maker and has a resume of coming through in big-time situations. During these camp settings, Arnold has been able to showcase his ability to make different throws at various angles and balance some tight window throws with deep shots downfield well. His skill set and eye for the field fit seamlessly with Jeff Lebby's offense.
0: Okay, so I mean that's good.
1: Yeah, I mean, do you agree with? Say, do like, you agree with that? Would you I, want to add I, anything I, to that? I, I was just, I was just waiting for the butt. No, there's, there's no butt in there. I mean, they, they didn't, okay, they well, saw him as like the uh, 14th best quarterback at the Elite 11. While 247 Sports said, What? No, he was the best quarterback there. What are you talking about? Yeah, so I'm surprised that there was no butt in there as well.
0: Yeah, that's that's literally what I was like. I was just waiting for the butt to drop because I was like, Okay, well, this is on three we're talking about. They're lower on Jackson Arnold than seemingly any other recruiting service there is. So where do the negatives come into play? But no, like, pretty glowing evaluation of Jackson Arnold's uh, style and play as a quarterback. And. I really do think he is the perfect fit for Jeff Levy's offense. I think there's a there's a reason why uh why if you look back over the course of Lebby's tenure at Ole Miss, even before he was at Oklahoma, Jackson Arnold was a guy that he was targeting for the rebels at that point. And nobody knows an offensive system better than the one at the controls, right? And so nobody knows what kind of quarterback is gonna fit Jeff Levy's system quite like Jeff Levy. So When he goes out, pursues a guy like Jackson Arnold, gets him committed. You're trusting that Lebby knows what's going to fit best in his offense, and I think with what Jackson Arnold brings to the table, very intelligent, very cerebral guy who has a ton of functional athleticism and lots of arm talent to go along with above-average accuracy. Uh, He's a guy that is going to have plenty of success at the University of Oklahoma. And that's not an out, that's far from an out there take when you look at what he's done at the Elite 11 and elsewhere throughout the offseason.
1: Kind of interesting, as down as on three is about Jackson Arnold compared to 24-7, they really like them some P.J. Atabare. What, five-star there? They say his closing speed is unreal. Most explosive off the line. All right, that'll do it for Parker. The Rush coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans.